It's going. It's go time. You are listening to... (laughs) You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 77. What they're actually listening to is me adjusting my mic. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name is Rob, and as always, I'm joined by Jimmy. Howdy. And Greg. Hello. My microphone is adjusted. There will be no more squeaking. (laughs) Together, we discuss pop culture, entertainment, and sometimes a little bit of nostalgia. This week, we've got the Netflix original series, Love, Death, and Robots, Lords of Chaos, and a quick take on the animated film Wonderland. Which is actually not called that. But I completely screwed it up. I believe it's called uh, Wonder Park. Wonder Park. Park. Yep, Wonder yes. Park. Wonderland, just... completely different movie. So Greg, it is... Greg, you you know, you were just listening to Your Body is a Wonderland by John Mayer all day. All day. Yeah, and, and I believe that was the uh, the inspiration for the next line in the script. Maybe. Because my body is a Wonderland. And yes. apparently <laughs> I will perform a rousing rendition of Frere Jacques using only my stress. Whoa! Yep. Yeah, he will. It's it's uh, amazing. It is. You would think it'd be a little weird. It'll bring a tear to your eye. It it will. Largely because you want to pop them out. But yes, yes. Also, at the end of the show, I will have an opportunity to rant about something on my mind. Ooh, things on Rob's mind. It's a little scary. Yep. This is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers. We will try and avoid uh, any major twists. So if we're talking about something you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet, then use your own discretion. Guys, let's talk about what's new in the media, shall we? I think we We should. Is there anything interesting going on, Jimmy? Sure. Today, I saw the Stranger Things Season 3 trailer. Oh, God. Have you not seen it? I Uh, forgot to watch that. uh, You should do that. Uh, and maybe take your headphones off if you don't want a trailer to spoil anything. I don't know. But we got the trailer today. Uh, we've got a premiere date for Stranger Things season three that is on July 4th. Some new characters this season include Mr. Jake Busey and the legendary Carrie Elways. As you wish. And we've got a more prominent role for Lucas's little sister, Erica. Now, is she, oh. she the one from the last season? Or? Yeah, she is. Oh, but no, no, Lucas. Under- Lucas, the little girl. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah the, the little underutilized badass. Yeah, yes. The yes. sassy yep. little girl. She has a more prominent role. She is a now a series regular. And from... Now, is it, the, is it the same actress? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Her name's uh, Priya Ferguson. And she will – this just sounds amazing. She's going to have a little – team of badass kids of her own because she's tired of standing on the sideline. Uh, There is a teeny tiny little clip of her in there crawling through a ventilation duct with, uh, she's got like a little helmet on. She has two flashlights taped to the sides of it. Getting her Bruce Willis moment. Yep. So come out to the coast. We'll have a few drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Totally got, you know, goosebumps while seeing that. I, I really can't wait it's it's going to be amazing. It looks great. It looks fun. It, a lot of it takes place in a mall, 
that's been, you know, of course, treated to look like it's fresh out of the 80s, which were the best time in America for malls. And mm. July 4th, sooner than you think. Can't wait. And it and it has become a fairly sad time in America for malls. <laughs> I was it just, sure has. I was just at one today, and it's like a friggin' ghost town. Which I'm one? Like, uh, the Oviedo Mall. It's gotten better. Well, there's there's so many empty storefronts. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, I, that's and where then, I go for my movies. And then Jen was Jen was streaming, and they came over and told her that she had to stop. And I'm like, well, you know what? If my mall were a ghost town, I wouldn't want anybody to see it either. So we were we were bowling at the district. She was uh, celebrating her birthday because her birthday was yesterday. Well, happy um, birthday. Happy birthday, Jen. I would pay for the live stream of watching Rob get beaten up by a mall cop. Or not even beaten up, but like chased around in, on like a Segway. That's yeah, so a Vito Mall, dude. They don't have Segways. No. Yeah, true. They can't even keep all their shops full. True. They should sell Segways. There you go. Got anything else, Rob? Um... I, I've got one I'll save for Snap Decisions. Okay. about you, Greg? The big news, it we are recording on March 20th, and as of midnight, this morning technically, Disney and Fox has closed their uh, acquisition. Uh, Disney gave Fox $71.3 billion, and <sighs> Disney Jesus. gets, uh, let's see. Everything. X-Men, Avatar, uh, Simpsons, mm-hmm. Blue Sky, which is the... Computer animation group that does Ice Age. Wow. Uh, they get National Geographic, FX Cable Networks. Woo. They get a lot of Hulu, which is kind of interesting because they'll be competing with themselves. Uh, one that you you might not think is a big deal because we're very, you know, was it, we're, are we, we're the West, right? Yeah. But um, the largest uh, TV service provider in India, which might be actually worth almost as much as all of that other stuff, it's called Star. And, of course, they already pretty much ran sports with ESPN. They mm-hmm. had Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm, the Disney Parks, the, you know, all of that other stuff. So they pretty much have, uh, you know, all of entertainment. It's a huge deal. Time will tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, it's not like they can really go back on that kind of stuff because they don't. it just doesn't really happen that way. But, you know, it's hopefully they'll give these individual studios creative control. So not everything looks the same and sounds the same. So far, I know people complain, but I've been relatively happy with the Star Wars world and definitely happy with the the Marvel world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyone that complains about it, they're just, I don't know. They're not, uh, they're going to complain about everything. I hate Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Like, oh, they're, they're making it kid stuff. And no, there's, it's not. And they said that Deadpool is going to be left alone. So we'll see how that works. And What do you mean left alone? Meaning that he won't be part of the Marvel Universe or that he won't be – that they I don't, won't – I don't think he's going to be part of the Marvel Universe. I think they're just going to let those movies be what those movies are. Okay. I mean I guess I'm kind of okay with that. I kind of am. I mean it would be neat to see him in those. But like mm-hmm. you can't have Deadpool all of a sudden going up with Spider-Man, a very kid-friendly thing, and have kids all of a sudden see that and not ruin what Deadpool has been. Right. So not everything has to be connected. Right. And, you know, now that they own everything, that the Deadpool jokes could actually get even more, like, meta and funny. Because now it's not, like, a legal thing if they make fun of, you know, if they make fun of some character or whatever. Right now, they've only been able to kind of make fun of the X-Men. But now they can do everything, really. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, yeah, but... there's, uh, there, there, that's a pretty big deal. And, uh, you know, it's it's worldwide, too. Like, the some of the regulation sticking points came from, like, mm-hmm. Mexico and, and Brazil and all these other things because of soccer rights and stuff. So it's a... It's a very big deal. Yeah. 
But also, there were some other trailers that dropped. Yes, there were. Um, did you guys happen to catch the new Toy Story 4 trailer? Yes, I did. Greg, did you? I did. What'd you think? I don't know. I'm ecstatic. I mean, I bottom, line is, great. bottom line it's is it's another Toy Story movie, and we'll probably mm-hmm. all go see it. Well, yeah, I mean, any kids movie I'll see, as you'll hear later. But <sighs> Toy Story 3 stuck the landing so well, as I mentioned just two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it had such a good emotional thing. I don't really need it to be opened up again. Uh, I think the little spork guy is adorable and fun, and I totally get that, you know, the little kid making her own toy kind of thing, which is in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm predisposed not to want it to happen because I really wanted it to end at three. Mm-hmm. Well, and then they've also gone and turned Bo Peep into kind of a badass. She had a moment of that, but, like, is she a good guy or a bad guy? I couldn't tell. Um, Because, uh, like, at the beginning, she's, she, like, hide, she's she, guy. like, ducks under that stuff, and she's like, come with me. And then later on, it seems like she's, like, part of it. I I think she's a good guy, but I think she's she's happy. I think there's going to be a pull between Woody and his his desire to fulfill a need for a child and Bo mm. Peep's desire to just kind of be free because I think I think she's going to be a good guy, but I don't think she wants to be pigeonholed into the world that Woody wants. You know what I mean? Yeah. Reminded me a little bit of Toy Story 2. I mean, kind of slightly different, but like, whereas Jesse wanted to go to the collector mm-hmm. and Woody wanted to go back to the kid and the prospector and all that stuff, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to see it. It's kind of hard not to, you know, where we live, have a kid, mm-hmm. theme parks, all that stuff. It's going to happen. But I don't know. I, I kind of like the Pixar original things that they do more, more so than the sequels in most cases. All right. All set. Um, was there one other trailer? There's one oh. more trailer. Oh, you on. haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but I want to hear about it. Greg just told me to hold on. No, no, no. I was just writing down that I screwed up and said that was it. Uh, we've got a trailer finally for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That is the ninth film by Mr. Quentin Tarantino. Oh. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a story that takes place around the time of the infamous Manson family murders in which Sharon Tate was murdered at her home in Los Angeles. It stars Brad With Pitt. other people, too. Can't forget and, Abigail Folger of the Folger Crystals Fortune. And yes. uh, what is it? Wojtek Frykowski, I believe his name is. The celebrity hairdresser. And so, as well as others. Sorry. Go on. It uh, stars Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor and his stuntman. Brad Pitt plays DiCaprio's stuntman in the film. And it looks weird. Um, Margot Robbie completely nails it as Sharon Tate. Rob, I'm sure you'll be happy to learn that she's in it. Mm-hmm. I'll be saddened to know that she's playing Sharon Tate. True. And uh, we do get a little clip of the actor that plays Charles Manson. Um, it looks about as good as a movie can that's centered around such an awful thing that happened. Now, this so, isn't like some kind of alternate reality thing. Like, um, no, it's not. I'm not familiar. God, I can't with... Oh, Inglorious Bastards. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. It's not. Yeah, they're like neighbors of of Sharon Tate's, and mm-hmm. they're like, as you like, down on their luck actors, and they're like, oh, Sharon Tate's an up up and coming one, and then I don't know exactly what happens, but there's a funny scene where I think it's uh, it's a it's uh, history adjacent. Yeah. Got got a real you know all star cast and uh, I am and have been looking forward to this one so we'll see. 
what's interesting is the actor that you said is playing Manson. His name is Damon Harriman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing Charles Manson twice in like the same year. So he's playing it in really? this, but he's also playing it in season two of, uh, is it Manhunter? Um, oh, wow. oh yeah. I heard about this. Um, yeah. What a, what a, it's fucking awful role to get typecast as. I was going to say, is that because he... <laughs> it's the Manson guy. It's because he has, like, he Manson's really kind of weak like chin. Manson? He has Manson's, like, kind of weak chin and jawline. Mm-hmm. Or, like, chin and jawline in it. And dark eyes. It's, uh... I'm intrigued. But, that, yeah, like... One, it's awful to get typecast, but, like, you know, those actors that are, like, the ones that, like, get totally into their role. You know, like, the guy that plays a bad guy and refuses to talk to the other members of the cast or whatever. Like, this dude is now playing him in two things. One of them is a long-form TV show. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's he doing? He's murdering people on the weekend. Yeah. Like, after the after we film today, we're going to go out to, to get a drink. Do you want to come? No, I'm good. I have to go do things. I got to okay. wash my hair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been planning this for weeks. Slaughter co-eds. I mean, yeah, I'm excited about that, too. So I have a snap decision. All right, what do you got? <laughs> um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with uh, what's going on currently in the news with uh, Lori Loughlin and um, uh, I don't even know remember the other lady's name. Uh, Huffman. Macy. Yes. No, that's the husband. Well, oh. Yeah. Um, but there's there's been some talk about expelling the students or even some talk about revoking degrees that had been earned. Okay, so what you're saying is this extends well beyond Lori Loughlin and the other. Actors. Correct, correct. Yeah. the the initial the the initial reports were that there's I think there's like 800 some odd students um, over like 20 years to like eight or 10 different schools. Um, which I mean, if you really do the math and and come down to it, I mean that averages out to what like five students a school a year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess if you were on the cusp and you got denied entry because one of those five students got in, you know, it's great. But, I mean, if you're on the cusp, that's always going to happen. Um, but the my question is, is do you think it's right for them to expel the students who who may not have had any any role in the fraud whatsoever? They Their parents did this with them unknowing. Do you think it's right to expel those students or revoke the uh, – because a lot of them have already graduated or revoke the degrees that have already been awarded? All right. So here's the deal. If uh, the students actually earned their degrees, right, if they actually got in, they were like, hey, you know, they didn't know anything about this. They got in, they busted their ass, and they earned the degree, then no. Um, mm-hmm. Should they be expelled? No, but I believe they should be looked at a little bit closer, maybe, uh, for their involvement. I'm thinking something like, you know, hey, you're going to go on academic probation if, you know, if you slip or, you know, you're going to be expected to to be at a certain GPA, you know, but uh, especially if they didn't know anything about it, um, then then no, you know, I don't think that's fair. Um, But if they did. And it comes out that they did. Um, I know Lori Laughlin's daughter had a YouTube channel and she posted on there like, oh, well, you know, guys, like, I don't know how much I'm actually going to go to class. I just kind of want to party and meet boys. Like, you're dumb. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You're super dumb. I now officially hate this story because I just heard Jimmy do that. <laughs> have you not seen that video? I it's have. I refuse. So, I, I hate. Uh, you, I hate YouTubers so much that so that any other reason to find that to hate them more. I she, just, she literally says, well, I'm here to experience parties and to do this. And, you know, I really don't care about school. Yep. I'm like, oh, oh okay. Then, you know what? You, you you should probably go. And she made more money for that one video than we will in an entire year. Yep. Collective, collectively. Probably. Sigh. So, Greg, what do you think? Uh, if the people hold their own when they get to school, I don't think anything should happen to them. Uh, they're always going to be watched now. And... Mm-hmm. As we kind of discussed earlier, you know, we we grew up. Rob and I grew up near one of those schools. I knew a lot of people that worked at a at a certain college that you know would let pretty much anyone in as long as they were able to donate a new building or do whatever. Mm-hmm. And I knew people that worked there teaching that would try to fail someone, and the administrators would come over and say, "Yeah, isn't there something we can do?" Because you know, they just donated this to the alumni center or something. And thankfully, the people I knew that did this, they quit immediately because they're like, I have, I can't just give grades for that kind of stuff. So, right. And that's good. Um, but this is just the, the getting in. So if someone gets in, you know, how many times do you hear stories of someone that's like, oh, they, they did terrible in high school, but excelled in college and then went off to become a millionaire on their own. So if someone's holding their Great. own. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that is a thing, but I'm talking about even other stuff like, you know, People say that about Bill Gates. He didn't really go to college, or I think he dropped out, but mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. I mean, there's even, I don't know if this is exactly the right thing, but you know, what if someone kind of fudges a little bit on their resume and then turns out to be excellent at something they do, as long as it's not you know life-threatening kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think they should be kicked out, but I do think they should be looked at a little closer, like Jimmy said. And as <laughs> I, I didn't think it was that illegal, I thought it was just something that everyone did. Other than people like us that just, you know, right. we, we have to, we have and, to earn our way by, you know, like doing extracurriculars and, uh, study. And like I was, like I was telling you guys, that was my biggest takeaway from this whole news story was that I was like, you, you mean that that doesn't happen or that's something that's not supposed to happen? Because like for years, I always thought that, you know, the rich just bought their way in and that was kind of how it worked. And I was like, okay, you know, as long as they earn their degree, whatever, you know, I mean, they've got the money, they can buy their way in. I don't have a problem with that. But I think where they've gotten into trouble is that they essentially defrauded the system. They've, they've faked test results. They've done all this kind of stuff. And, and I agree if the, if the kids one didn't know anything about it and two have been maintaining their grades as what is the, whatever the acceptable standards are, I don't believe that they should be subject to higher standards. I believe that they should be maintained at the same standards as everybody else. And if they're maintaining their grades, they didn't know anything about it, or they earned their degree, I don't believe there should be any repercussions against those particular students. You know, that that it's it's like it's a non-story. I mean, yes, you know, you can do whatever you want, prosecute the the parents who were involved in this, but if the kids are earning their way, don't don't take that away from them. It's not their fault. Does anybody else have one? I do not. And I don't think Jimmy does either. Excellent question. Don't speak for me. Oh, do you? No. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, I did too. Jimmy, you saw a movie I really wanted to see. I did. I want to hear all about it and then be depressed. Yeah, well, I know you guys are going to immediately retreat into your cell phones and not listen to a word I say, so you're both assholes. I oh, am hi. actually super intrigued about you're this. still and, here. And I did not care about it at all, so. 
All right. Well, the story. I am, I am fascinated by the story. Just letting everyone know. Yeah, the story itself is pretty damn unbelievable. So our first topic is the movie Lords of Chaos. It's the film based on the book Lords of Chaos: The Bloody Rise of the Satanic Black Metal Underground. The movie was released on February 18th of this year. It was directed by Jonas Ackerland, uh, who also directed Polar, which we talked about very recently. Mm-hmm. The film stars Rory Culkin, that is Macaulay Culkin's brother, as the titular Euronymous. Jack Kilmer, yes, that's Val Kilmer's son, as Pele Dead Orlin. Emery Cohen stars as Christian Varg Vickerness. Walter Skarsgård, that'll be fun to talk about, stars as Bard Goldvik Faust Athan, or Faust. And Anthony De La Torre stars as Jan Axel Hellhammer Blumberg. You know, when his parents. None of these actors speak the language. No. I remember. You know, when uh, Mrs. Blumberg named her bouncing belly baby boy Hellhammer, you really should have figured that something would have gone wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. Hellhammer, he's kind of the party animal depicted in the film. He is the drummer for the black metal band Mayhem. And I'll just uh, get to it here. Uh, Euronymous was the uh, lead guitar player. They went through... A couple of different bass players, uh, most notably Christian Vickerness, um, and the singer for a brief period of time was Pele Dead Olin, or Dead, as he referred to himself. So in the early 1990s, Mayhem was unleashed on Norway, literally and figuratively. Um, <laughs> I wrote down here, Venom superfan Oystein Euronymous Arseth founded the band uh, Mayhem in 1984, um, the movie skips ahead to 1990 when the band moved into an old farmhouse in the uh, countryside of Norge. And uh, during this time, the singer of the band, Pele Dead Olin, who came from Sweden, uh, he was an interesting cat. He um, <laughs> interesting cat because he hated cats and he killed them and hung them from the rafters in his room. Uh, when he wasn't performing with the band, he was probably laying in the middle of his floor in a deeply depressed state. Now, was he, was he the one that would sniff, yes, like animal carcasses in a bag? He would, yeah. Before going on stage, he would put the carcasses of animals into a bag to allow them to rot. Before he went on stage, he would huff them. Just like a little known fact, Shania Twain also did that. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, well, what? It's not not true. <laughs> oh, All right. God. I was just trying to get Rob involved. No, <laughs> to, okay. <laughs> no, I was I was just sitting here thinking his his moniker of choice was kind of ironic. It was ironic. He was obsessed with death. He was really kind of the first to wear what they refer to as corpse paint. If you see, if you type in black metal, you know, into Google image search, you're going to see guys wearing black and white makeup. I think most uh, people really got introduced to, to corpse paint in Guitar Hero. Like one of the, like the second or third one had that one character that was in the corpse paint. Uh, perhaps. Yeah. Possibly kiss, but it was kind of a different thing. Yeah. You know, they've been on record several times where they said it wasn't a kiss or an Alice Cooper thing. It was that they wanted to look as dead as possible. And that's what dead 
said. So <laughs> other things that Dead would do, he would bury his clothes in the dirt and allow them to sit for quite a while. And he would put them on when he performed. He would also uh, inflict violence upon himself, often cutting himself with glass, with knives, with razor blades during shows. Um, so bad to the point one day where they had to completely tape him up with duct tape to hold him together. Basically, um, as he almost bled to death. Now it, should come as real, really no surprise that uh, Pele dead Olin committed suicide, um, you know, at a very young age and fulfilling his moniker. Yeah, really, really, he did. Um, in a very, very graphic scene in the movie, um, that I, I felt was a little gratuitous. Now, it is said that dead. Uh, slashed both of his wrists, cut his own throat, and then shot himself in the head with a shotgun. Um, he left a note and said, sorry for all the blood, cheers, uh, sorry about firing the gun in the house, something like that. But it goes, it's very graphic and it's very like, oh, look at this. Like zoom the camera in on his one arm, zoom it in on the other arm. And that I have a thing with wrists and that's just, ugh. but that's an odd thing to have. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is, I guess. But um, Euronymous was the first to discover Dead's dead body. And what did he do? What do you think he did without Rob? Well, what I, do you, well, I, I know what he did. Know. I what know he, what he did. Oh, okay. So instead of calling the police immediately, he went to a convenience store, bought a disposable camera, and took pictures of Mr. Olin. Um, and even posed him with the full intent on using it as a marketing ploy, uh, in which they did on the bootleg live album, Dawn of the Black Hearts. They used the picture of dead, um, on the cover of that. Their bass player at the time had a huge problem with that because Euronymous presented the rest of the members of the band with necklaces made out of bits of dead's skull. Uh, this is where eventually it led to Varg Vickerness or Christian Vickerness joining the band as their full-time bass player. And you would think it would not possibly get any more messed up than it already is. No, you, you know, these, these guys wouldn't go on to just fade into obscurity. They had an, uh, unquenchable desire for fame and, you know, spreading as much chaos as they absolutely could throughout Norway and throughout the world. When Christian Vickerness is first in introduced in this movie, he's really dorky, kind of a groupie. They show him kind of posing in his mirror, dressed in coarse paint. And he, sh I think he, he shows up and he introduces himself to Euronymous the first time. And he's got, uh, they call it like a battle vest, which a, a jean jacket with cut off sleeves with, you know, patches of your favorite bands. He had a scorpions patch <laughs> on and Euronymous didn't pay him any mind because he was like, Oh, scorpions. Okay. Christian Vickerness does eventually come back into the picture. He is a multi-instrumentalist and he recorded uh, several, I mean, like a dozen albums under the name Burzum where he played all the instruments and sang 
uh, real shitty quality. Just it, like that was the point, I guess, to record on one microphone. Anyway, uh, so he, he shows back in the picture and he's got these more, he's adopted these more extreme ideals. And, you know, somebody mentions, I think it was Euronymous, mentions burning down churches. And Christian Vigorness is the first one to do so. And he becomes kind of a legend on that scene. And while Euronymous had the spotlight for the most part for founding Mayhem and having his own record label, um, Christian Vigorness started to get really popular within the scene. And it started to create tension between him and Euronymous. Now, this whole time... It, they keep showing Christian Vickerness asking Euronymous, Hey, where's my money? You know, what about the album sales for, for Burzum? You know, I, I took a loan out from my mom. I got her pair back and Euronymous keeps saying, Oh, well, you know, we're putting it back into another album that's going towards costs and everything like that. And he just kind of, you know, jerks him around the whole time. Um, eventually this leads to a falling out between the two of them. Euronymous does create a contract he writes a letter to christian vickerness saying hey look we're we're done here uh, let's go our separate ways euronymous releases burzum and christian vickerness of all contractual obli- obligations i almost said obligabilities <laughs> but that's not a word and no, i don't i don't understand what do you mean releases burzum from burzum was the band that was signed to Euronymous's record label and Burzum was Christian Vickerness. So oh, while, okay. while, while Vickerness was releasing albums under the name Burzum, he was not seeing any of those record sales. Okay. Oh, see, I thought, I thought Vickerness was in the same band with Euronymous. They, he was. Vickerness was okay. also the bass player for Mayhem, but he was, was like not receiving. Bands. Yeah, oh, he was okay. not receiving any payment while he was recording under Burzum or in Mayhem. Okay. So, uh, because the Burzum album actually had, I, th- I think, really strong sales over there. And, you know, Vikernus didn't see any of that. So, yeah, it created tension. Um, now, there was an offhand comment that Euronymous um, made one night after his falling out with Vikernus, saying that he was going to tase him and make a snuff film out of his death. And... They remind you of that many, many times towards the end of the movie as as it happened in real life. Ironic that Jimmy says that if we ever record too late. What's that? That you're going to tase us and make a snuff film out of our deaths. Hmm. I mean, I've thought about it. But Christian Vickerness shows up to Euronymous's apartment with the contract saying he's going to sign it and then stabs Euronymous to death. A lot. A lot. Like, it's not 37. So the 37 comes from a number that the, the aforementioned Faust uh, was on his way back from a bar one night, and he stabbed a homosexual man to death in the woods because he claims that the homosexual man was coming on to him, and that was not his thing. Um, now, the number of cuts found on Euronymous, I think, was 24 to 27. Verkernis says... It was self-defense, and he gained most of those wounds from rolling around on glass that had broken on the floor. Uh, Vigorness went on to serve a number of years in jail, and now he operates uh, mostly on YouTube. Um, a racist under, YouTube channel. Yeah, he's he is a 
quite the racist. Um, and, you know, you can check it out, but it all just sounds like bullshit to me when he talks. So I have no intention of giving him any views. You really shouldn't. Don't. I, um, I think that the one thing that can't be understated here is, like, these are a group of nerds that, they were, that be- yeah. b- believe their own shit. It would be like, I mean, well, I, I keep on referencing Kiss, but it's completely different music, and I'm sure that there are mm-hmm. people that would hate it if i referencing it. But no one in Kiss believes that they're actually the demon or the cat or whatever. That was just their characters. Yeah. And, and there's no, like, Alice Cooper, you know, is a good church-going dude that golfs every weekend and just happens to dress up and do things on stage. He never believed there, the hype. And these guys there, totally did. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, oh, you know, you're just – you know, this is an act and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, they were Venom fanboys. Mm-hmm. And Venom I mean, got the joke. Yeah, they did. Um, there, there's a little, like, sometimes somebody will walk into the, you know, Euronymous's record store and they'll be like, oh, I have a package delivery for, uh, Dead Like Silence. And, uh, you know, Euronymous would kind of put his hand up and go, Dead Like Silence. Okay. Yeah. That's me. You know, and, uh, <laughs> There's a, a problem I have with the beginning of it is uh, they really make these guys out to be like rock stars. They do that like, oh, hey, while Hellhammer was having sex with a girl in the closet. I'm like, mm, did that really happen or were they sitting around playing checkers? Like, Or, or like talking about like, oh, yeah, well, I'm so depressed and dark that I'm going to paint my nails black. I'm like, oh, I am yeah. and I, that I'm going to kill a cat. Like, It's like they were trying to one up each other like in their own little like. I don't know, masturbatory circle of like, yeah, it it really was. It was. And they, they kind of thrived on the, Oh, Hey, I'm different. Look at me. I got long black hair. Eh." You know, if you ever watch, um, God, what's the video for immortal? Um, that, I don't know. Uh, call of the winter moon. Oh yeah. yeah. You've ever seen that man. Oh boy. It's, it's hard to take those guys seriously. It's so funny. I watched it. And they I was, completely I were. The other day. It's just like, they look like they're lost in the woods. Yeah. And they're just doing these dumbass poses. Mm-hmm. Like, are you, are, are you okay? Um, things I liked about the movie. I thought the portrayal of Euronymous was very good. Uh, Rory Culkin, I think is a rising star as is Emery Cohen, who played Christian Bickerness, which, uh, Christian himself had a problem with the casting of someone with the last name Cohen playing him, uh, which I think is super funny. He had problem with. Yeah. Yeah. Super funny. Uh, there's a weird mix of accents in this. Like we said, nobody really had a Norwegian accent, but some people did. It's just like, wait, what? Huh? So, you know, for everyone being in Norway, they did not sound like it. We've talked about that before too much freaking detail. Oh, I don't want to see somebody cutting their wrists. That's just, we, we get it. As my girlfriend said, it's a movie that tries too hard to tell an already unbelievable story. Um, the story's already bad enough, you yeah. know. It sounds like a story. It sounds like a movie that just shouldn't have been made. It, it really didn't need to. Uh, I will, uh, you know, I'll say this as, as kind of a, kind of an ending. Um, watch until the light takes us. If you want to watch it from a pure documentary kind of role, and if you're interested in the story at all, because it is an interesting story, it's an unfortunate and sad one. But I would watch the documentary until the light takes us. Don't watch this movie. 
Um, even if you're a black metal fan, they don't have the rights to use any of the black metal that came out of that time. So, you know, you're not going, oh, hey, oh, you know, it's, it's them, but they're playing that song I really love. It's not, it's not any of that. Um, so it, would I recommend it? Not really. That doesn't change uh, my opinion. I still want to see it. Yeah. And read the book and do all that other stuff. The book was co-written by a white nationalist. Oh, good. So wanted. maybe not that. Which one? The uh, the Lords of Chaos, the book. Oh, good. Yeah, so maybe not that. So maybe not that. Well, we're going to go from black metal murder-suicide and church burning to a children's movie called Wonder Park. Naturally. Yes. And this is one of those movies I didn't necessarily see for this show, but... You know, any kid's movie that comes out, my, my kid loves going to movies. He's like, he's, when he gets to a movie, he's dead silent, fascinated by what's on the screen. And I, I love that. I love that he's into that stuff. So when there's an opportunity to see a kid's movie that looks pretty innocuous, I'm going to go ahead and bring him. Now, the reason why I am talking about this is this is one of those, and it's a mini spoiler here. They did not show you the main part of the movie in the trailer. They left the hook out, huh? And it's a problem in this one because. And you know we did spoilers, whatever. So in the in the trailer, it they made it look, if anyone remembers, like the girl just kind of outgrew her fascination with building these amusement park rides. Mm-hmm. So it's about this little girl. She builds amusement park rides in her room, and then she happens upon the real life version of it. And because she outgrew it, it's falling apart, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of what I thought we were going into. Well, what it turns out about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes into the movie, she didn't outgrow it. She used to do it with her mom, and her mom comes down with undisclosed illness. Bummer. So they do that thing where, like, the skin gets kind of yellow and pallow, and she gets the bags under the eyes, and she's hunched over, and she's like, I have to leave for a little while. So I spent the rest of the movie, because I could see I went, you know, with my wife and my son, and I could see when the mom said, I'm sick, I have to go away for a while, that his eyes got big and he kind of clutched closer to mommy. And I was like, oh crap. So I, so I was like, and you know, it's okay if a kid feels feelings, but I just wanted to know what was going on going into the movie. And I think they hit it on purpose because I think, cause this movie was kind of in development hell for a while. Uh, it was actually supposed to be called amusement park and it was supposed to come out in like 2015, but uh, the director apparently was fired for some sort of, uh, as the official statement said, un- inappropriate and unwanted conduct. And so they did this thing and I, I mean, I actually stepped out of the theater, not all the way, but like went down to like the little walkway where you're kind of next to the bleachers and checked my phone to make sure that like nothing happened to the mom. Cause I didn't know if it was going to be one of those bait and switches where like the dad was like, Oh yeah, your mom just has to go away for a while, but she's really not just going away for a while. Like, um, like your goldfish has to go away for a while. Yeah. Like I, like uh, your puppy went up to live on the farm with your aunt kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I didn't think they would do that. That'd be a little weird, but also at the same time, like there's a long period of time that that goes on in this movie. This little girl has a chance to be sad and take down her old amusement park um, while the mom is away. And like, if your mom goes off for whatever chemo, whatever it is, it's not like people don't, you know, like the family doesn't go with them to visit. They're kind of, it's a little weird in that respect. So it's a little bit of a surprise. Um, now, honestly, the movie the movie is cute. Um, just my, my little review here, uh, first of all, from a kid's point of view, he liked it. He actually got home, and he did build a little amusement park in his room with his toys, which I thought was cool. So that made me happy. But I think, honestly, I think the problem was the movie was very similar in idea 
to inside out where like her different, you know, like the different portions of her brain were kind of collapsing and stuff, but it being an amusement park in this case. And I think it was just close enough where they might've changed it a little bit. So they added those little like chimpan zombies, which are like little toy monkeys that are destroying everything. Mm-hmm. And like, they didn't, they didn't really need to be there. And as a result of like that extra plot point, she like finally rebuilds this park that she's been dreaming of her whole life and says, okay, I have to go. Like she never actually spends any time in the park. Like they rebuild it and it's like a minute sequence and then she's gone. So I think that had they re had, they like pulled away that idea of the chimpanzee zombies and had her find herself and fix up the park and kind of do that kind of thing. I don't know. It would have been a little better uh, because it, it, they park itself had some good ideas and I would have liked to actually see that seen through. If you build it, she will leave. Exactly. Yeah, that, that should have been the, the tagline of the movie. <laughs> if you build it, she will leave immediately before actually enjoying it. It does have a happy ending, so you don't have to worry about that if you were going with kids. But if your kids are sensitive and worried about illness and death and all that kind of stuff, or if you don't want to explain death and illness to a child because they're too young, you might want to skip Wonder Park until they're a little older. All right. Well, I think we'll move on to our next topic. Um, we might end up spending a little bit of time on this one. Um, there's a new Netflix original series that was just released called Love, Death. Was it Love, Death, Sex, and Robots? I think it was just No, just Robots. Love, Death, and Robots. Okay. Yeah, Love, Death, and Robots. Um, and it's basically an anthology series, which we've discussed on this show before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 18 episodes. And each episode is, eh, what, roughly like 10 minutes or so, give or take? Uh, roughly everywhere from 15. Five. There's five minutes to 15. Those yeah. Are the... So, so it's, it's an average of about 10 minutes an episode, so to speak. But the, it, it's all, well, no, I can't even say it's all animated. That's true. It's mostly animated. Uh, every single one of the episodes has an animated portion. There's one episode that actually has live action actors, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And it's all different styles of animation. Yes. So, um, how, first off, how did you guys hear about this? Was it something that came through on your Netflix feed? Because that actually came through on my Netflix feed. But then but then the wonderful Jubals, I don't know if he's ever been referred to that way before. The uh, wonderful Jubals, he is quite Wasn't wonderful. it Jubals who told us we should, wa- we should watch it? He said he was watching it. Okay. And he um, said that we should check it out. It was a very weird situation for me because every single group of people that I walked past at work talking were talking about that. Like, yeah, like our stu- our students. Mm-hmm. I was heading to a meeting, and when I got up there, my boss was talking to somebody about it in a completely different room. Two people were in a different conversation about it, all at the same. Like it was weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, of course, do- at the same time, the chat was going on where where Jubal's is like, "You should watch this." Jubal's. So, <laughs> we so, have a chat with one of. Well, he's a friend now, but he was you know, a listener, yeah. so kind of awesome. We do. He's a super good dude. And we love you, Jubals. I found out about this. Uh, it came across my Netflix feed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, not interested. Until another good friend of the show, Kerwin, said, man, you really have to watch this. I can't stop watching it. And then I said, all right, well, you know, I'll get to it tomorrow. And I fully intended to. But when I got to work the next morning, our boss said, hey, I can't say you really need to watch this because it's like the heavy metal for the digital generation. Um, 
it may be offensive to some people. Look, it's very adult themed. Very. When we say animation, we're talking like sex and lots of violence, not like Mickey Mouse. Um, He said, you got to check it out. I don't think I've ever seen the title other than on our own script where it says, where it doesn't say love, death and robots and in parentheses, not safe for work like NSFW. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's how I found about it. Thank you, Kerwin for the strong suggestion. The the other little part of that was, and I, you mentioned this briefly, when you said you're not interested, why? Because I thought it, I honestly, I didn't know that it was animated. I didn't watch the trailer. I thought it sounded dumb. I was just like, oh, this is some other, like, uh, Electric Dreams kind of thing. You know, this is... And I gotta admit, I was kind of in the same boat, because when it came across my feed... I looked at it and I'm like, it's a bunch of shorts. It's, and uh, I don't, I don't know that that's for me, but then, yeah. but then, you know, I talked to people who had seen it and they're like, Oh dude, you got to check this out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's read, point. I, like it looked exhausting. I didn't care. Like that's what I, like the reason I asked this question was because, you know, we watched black mirror. Mm-hmm. We watched, uh, was, was it, uh, the dreams one? Um, the, the cyberpunk, uh, anthology series. Oh, that's what you were asking me earlier. It was Electric yeah. Dreams. Electric. So we watched Electric mm-hmm. Dreams. Uh, of course, there's, uh, what did I say, Black Mirror. There's uh, you know, everything like that that we've watched recently. And I was like, oh boy, another one. Another another take on cyberpunk. And we we love that stuff. Altered Carbon. Yeah. yeah Altered Carbon. Exactly. And so when I was heading into it, I was like, oh, do I really want to get into this? And so I watched the first episode, and like you said, I just I couldn't stop. Um so I guess like, should we just like delve into this a little bit? Mm. Um, well, I I think we should probably avoid addressing like every individual episode because there's 18 episodes. They don't really need a rundown on each episode. But I would like to get a feel from you guys um, first off because I know that I, I I think I have an idea which ones you guys really liked. Um, just give me just give me a brief list of which ones that you did not like at all. Okay, I can do that. Um, the, I guess the ones that I, I really didn't like were, mm-hmm. um, definitely the witness, which was mm-hmm. the third episode. Okay. I thought that I liked the good. art style of the witness, but I didn't like the story. The yeah, art style was I can fine agree with that. Um, but it just seemed gratuitous and, and that unnecessary. Was ex- that's exactly what I had written down in my notes. Gratuitous uh, and unnecessary. Yeah. Really, a lot of these, and you know, our boss—I won't mention his name—but brought up this, um, this same the the way that I feel when you watch one of those, um, when you watch heavy metal or when you watch some, you know, segments on Liquid Television. You just go, "What is wrong with the director of this? Mm-hmm. Are they sitting there like, you know, like they're watching, putting their watching... fetish on the screen? Exactly. Yeah, and and they're sitting there going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." Like, and I'm just like, "Ew, what's yeah. wrong with you?" And um, and for the gratuitous part, we're talking that like there's there's so much nudity and and just unnecessary stuff in the episode that I'm like, why why is this even here? I don't. Yeah, and even though it's CG, it made me uncomfortable. Like yeah. if I was watching that with another person, I'd be like, oh oh god, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't know nudity and violence, and then it goes to another location where there's more nudity and more violence, and then it's like. Okay. Yeah. And um, some of them, and I know oh, it had such a cool story, but shapeshifters, 
and I know Rob, that's one of your favorites. Yeah, I actually the, really liked that one. Yeah, the the models seemed like they were from such the 3D models. The models of the people seemed like they were from a stock library that nobody touched. All the characters mm-hmm. to me felt like kind of like Ken dolls. I actually right. thought it's funny because it actually reminded me of like a Call of Duty game. They almost like used the models from the video game. Okay. Okay. And then just rendered it instead of made it real time. But yeah. I actually, but I actually like that one a lot too. I, I did. I liked the story and I thought it was really good, but I was just like, uh, like, is this straight from Dobbs 3D? Did you just buy this character, rig it and animate it and touch mm. it? Um, I, I really did enjoy that one. Um, Seema Blue wasn't a big fan of. I just, I was kind of like, what's the point? I don't really care. Mm. Um, those are the, you know, those are the ones I really just didn't care for. I thought the yogurt one was really funny and I really enjoyed it. But like it, I don't know, maybe I'm focusing on this because it's something mm-hmm. I've been talking about a lot at work. Yogurt? Uh, it just, no, the fact that it is kind of ended, just like went from a black screen, like almost as soon as the audio cut out. It was like, click. Yeah. And like maybe that might have been my Netflix feed. I don't know, but it's just like, it's like, and then the yogurt left. Click. What? Yeah. Okay. And I guess that was kind of the point, but it was, it was funny. It was weird, but you know, it was also the shortest one. I think it was, that was the five minute one. And if it was like six minutes or anything like that, it probably would have been too long because it was a cute little story. Yeah. The, I really like the animation style on that. Good. Yeah. The, it, it was okay. Uh, the, the one that I really didn't like the animation style on was probably my least favorite episode just because I thought the whole episode was dumb and that was Zima Blue. I actually didn't like the animation style on that. I didn't like the story. I didn't like anything about it. I completely lost interest and started playing with my phone. Yeah, that was the only, that was the only one that that happened with me. Yeah, I was like, man, this is dumb. Um, yeah, yeah, that that for me, that was the one. I came home, I sat down, I was like, I'm gonna watch one episode and then make dinner, and then I'd pause the episode and be like, three minutes left. So I'd go, all right, well, I'm just gonna finish this, and then I'd watch another one, and then I got to Zima Blue, and I was like. Okay, I'll make dinner now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Zima Blue wasn't good. Um, I was also kind of meh about Fish Night. That one was pretty, but there's a part in that one that just totally chomped away all emotional connection I had to it. <laughs> I'll say that. Well played. Thank you. And Yeah, that one, I, I like the idea of that. But I, I like the idea of that less as a narrative and more of a... Wouldn't it be cool if somewhere in the middle of the desert we could actually see what that area was like back in the prehistoric times? And that was kind of about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy that wrote Zima Blue is a British science fiction author, Alistair Preston Reynolds. Yeah. Well, well he it. sucks. Yeah, I hated it. Um, but then the other one that I really didn't like was the same one as you, Jimmy, The Witness. I, I felt like mm-hmm. they, I mean, the animation style, you, you were right. The animation style was great, but I felt like they leaned too much on the, the ending of that episode and, and counting on the fact that viewers are going to go, Oh, wow. What a, what a mind screw, you know, that, Oh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, Oh, it's just ridiculous. Oh, and, and not have them go, well, wait a minute. No. How are we going to get, cause, cause the witness ends with like this supposed loop. But and and that's kind Reverse. of what they hint at. But it's like, how did I don't because like nobody had the apartment was obviously the dudes. So when the girl takes the dudes place in the loop, I'm like, I'm like, well, how is she going to get back to the apartment for this loop to start over again? She's not the dude because from she the big, big because, Lebowski. Exactly. 
but yep. she, you know, because he uses a key to open the door at the end. Otherwise, why would he randomly walk into a building and then have a key to this door? You know, it's like, what, what is going on here? I don't, I don't understand. And how would he know to just wander back? I'm like, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was dumb. I didn't like it. The animation style was good, but it was completely gratuitous and unnecessary. Greg, did um, you have some some that you didn't like? Well, well, those are pretty much the same ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the thing I find fascinating is there's 18 of these, and there's really three that we're sort of talking about, mm-hmm. if even. So that really shows the quality of these. And the reference to heavy metal was made. Apparently, this was sort of supposed to be a heavy metal, which if you guys don't know what heavy metal was, it was a British magazine. Uh, loosely, I mean, it wasn't really associated with the music style heavy metal. It was just stories of, you know, women on flying dragons and armor and swords and gratuitous stuff and all sorts of other crazy things. And then it became a animated movie, which the it's most a heavy, shitty animated movie. Yeah. Which the most heavy metal thing about it was like a, uh, Sammy Hagar song. If that explains how non heavy metal it is. Mm-hmm. And then in 2000, they kind of re, they did another version of it with whatever heavy metal bands were around at the time, like power man 5,000 and those kind of bands. And I think this was supposed to be, it was, you know, those stories where you hear like, oh, so-and-so picked up the rights to heavy metal, but it was kind of, uh, they started doing it and it didn't go through, so they just kind of changed the name. Uh, this is David Fincher, and uh, who's the other guy? The guy from uh, uh, the, the Deadpool. Tim Miller. Yeah, Tim Miller. So uh, uh, the special effects or 3D artist guy, Tim Miller, who did the Deadpool movies, and David Fincher. So big names, both in graphics and in narrative, which is pretty cool. Of course, uh, it's funny that uh, the witness sort of reminds me of uh, the one scene in Seven with the bondage guy and the knife thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of the whole Fincher uh, thing. But Now, the, one of the things that we had heard about this series was that all of the episodes for, for everybody um, basically play in a different order. That actually was not the case for us. The episodes ran nope. in the same order for all three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's a question for you guys. If you were to tell our listeners an episode to start with, basically to wet their palate, so to speak, which one would you have them start with? Suits. Really? I actually kind of like the order I got it in. Um, I, I did not feel like Sonny's Edge was a great introduction to it. Oh, see, I thought, I I I thought Sonny's Edge was a fantastic intro. I might be the only one who has a problem with it. Yeah. Yeah, see, I liked... The, the first two for us, well, for everyone, is Sunny's Edge, which is kind of a, a underground pit fighting kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then Three Robots, which is kind of a, a funny take on, like, robots doing a tourist kind of thing, wandering around a post-apocalyptic city. Encountering and, hairy murder machines. Yes, which was great. <laughs> and the reason I like those two to start it off was, one, it was, you saw, wow, this is how violent they'll go and how, and how I guess, sexual they'll go with the, the girl making out with the other girl. Mm-hmm. And although very the beautiful witness graphic. blew that out of the water as far as the sexual nature, yeah, true. Um, so I liked that they like really opened your mind right away. Like, okay, this is how far we're gonna go, and then also uh, made it kind of funny. The next one was kind of funny. Yeah. So I, I, I actually liked the order. I I could have done with three robots a little bit further down to break it up some, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I, 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 agree. De- I definitely liked Sunny's Edge as the intro. I I couldn't. As as funny and good as three ro- ro- uh, three robots was, um, 
I, I couldn't say watch that one first because you would expect something completely different. Right. You did. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's really the only one there that's, that's like really funny. Like, uh, it, no, the, the, uh, his, the history one too. Well, but, but it's not, it's, it's not the same. I mean, like three robots actually made me laugh out loud. Whereas the, the alternate histories was, I was like, eh, okay. Ha ha. Ha. All right. Yeah. I, I thought it was funny at first. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. I, like I said, I, I agree. I think Sunny's Edge was a great intro, but I'm, I'm surprised you would say Suits, Jimmy, because wasn't that one of your favorite episodes and you'd want to start off with that right off the bat? Hmm. Well, you put it that way. Yeah. Hmm. Which one would I start with? Probably uh, Beyond the Aquila Rift hmm. is what I would put first to come to expect the level of quality from the CG. That, that one was very well done. Yeah. But in in that sense, I think Sunny's Edge was a good intro to it. Like, oh, okay, they're not they're really not effing around with this. This looks really good. Right. It it gave you a reasonable expectation for the rest of the series with Sunny's Edge, and it wasn't it Agreed. wasn't too over the top. The animation quality was was high enough that you can expect decent quality animation through the whole thing. So, so I, I I have to say that I that I agree that Sunny's Edge was probably a really nice intro. That actually, you mentioned the CGI this brings up something i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. go ahead so i thought the cg almost across the board unless they were doing something stylized and doing it on purpose mm-hmm. was some of the best i've ever Zima seen blue. and well yeah but like you know there's somewhere it was just like cutesy but i thought it was um, incredible uh secret war the, the some of the landscapes uh mm-hmm. beyond the equal rift was beautiful sunny's edge i mean some of it was was incredible and i really wonder if that was the ability to do it over 15 minutes or 10 minutes rather than having to do an entire movie. You mean budget-wise? Yeah. Yeah. And I also thought, because, I mean, some of that stuff, I I was watching it, and I was like, oh, my God, like, the characters looked incredible. Like, you know, we all, I'm, I rushed out and saw the Final Fantasy movie and was thought it was, like, the most amazing thing. And if you look back at it, it's like, wow, these people look rubbery. They were kind of creepy looking. You know, it, it got in the way of the story a little bit. That You know, which movie I'm talking about, right? The, the 3D animated realistic yeah spirits within yeah spirits within but but i will say that that um the animation in these in in several of them is probably a step below final fantasy there's there's one or two that are that are absolutely amazing uh lucky 13 comes to mind the animation in lucky 13 is phenomenal oh yeah as as Um, as a cg artist um there were times in Lucky thirteen, that I was like, wait, is that a real person? It was when she like the first time she was climbing out of the ship after like disaster struck, almost struck, and she had, she had the sweat on her brow. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, extraordinarily <laughs> really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Lucky thirteen is is probably the most impressive CG of the bunch. I, I will, I will, I will. Admit also, that. very that that planet was really cool. Like the the columns mm-hmm. under the ground, with yeah. holding up the the plates was just it was just a cool idea. Right. But, but a lot of the, a lot of the animation is, is, I would say a step below what Final Fantasy, uh, the Spirits Within was. Final Fantasy, the Spirits Within was more realistic. A lot of, there's a lot of these here that are kind of cartoony. So it's, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just so referring not, to the, the 3D, like the 3D humans or the computer animated right. humans that weren't stylized. And I thought that most, most of them, if not all of them were, were incredible. Yeah. Well, they, they they absolutely were. They absolutely were. Yeah. 
Uh, that was one thing I want to talk about. The other thing I thought was how well there was, there was beautiful to see, but they developed their characters really well in a very short period of time. Like I found on a lot of them, I actually cared about the characters mm-hmm. and those, especially the ones that we've said we liked, uh, like lucky 13 and the one that we haven't talked about yet, but good hunting. That I was, that, actually, that was actually the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. Let me just watch, let me just watch this last one. And then I saw the pups. And this uh, this might have been based on some sort of Chinese or Hong Kong fable. I don't really know that stuff very well, but you know, a guy that was killing these these like demons, seductive demons, quote unquote kind of, demons. Yeah, and they were like half fox, half woman kind of thing. And his son finds a pup, and right as his father kills the pup's mother, and and it kind of goes through there. But I cared about those characters a lot. And that actually kept me watching. And that story takes you in a lot of different places, which mm-hmm. I thought was very, in 15 minutes, it takes you from like the, you know, the villages to a city to like the city in the future, mm-hmm. which was incredible to me. I, I thought it was, I don't know, this, the way they told that story, it moved along so well. And I was left wanting more, but at the same time, I, I didn't feel like I was short shifted. Right. I got to tell you. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Well, I got to tell you with that one, I I, I kind of tuned out when the character's body was replaced with robotics because it was a little too close to Elite of Battle Angel for me. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, this is the same story, but just a little bit different um, in the sense that, yeah, they turned into like Nine Tails from Pokemon. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. I'm, I am wondering what that story came from. Like, mm-hmm. I did yeah. look up the, the author. He's a... He's a, I mean, all these come from short stories, like sci-fi writers and, uh, the guy, he is, I think he's a, he's an Asian author, but he lives in, in Los Angeles. So I'm not, I don't know if this is based on any fable or anything, but I should probably look that up. Okay. Um, now I, I, I think, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about these, uh, for our give me five. So I'm not going to go too much more into them, but there is one more that I wanted to mention. And that was simply because you were talking about, you know, caring about the characters. There was one other episode that was, for me, I found it like super intense and I'm like, Oh my God. And you know, you, you really kind of cared about the main character. And I, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but for me, the most intense episode of the entire series was helping hand. That was pretty damn intense. Yeah. Greg, um, that was the episode that I watched while my wife was showering Mm. and I, as she was getting done with her shower, as the, uh, we'll say twist was happening. And I was Mm -hmm. like, don't, don't walk out of the door. Don't come out of the door. Don't come out of the door. (laughs) Twist Mm -hmm. and snap. Yeah. 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 That was, yeah. I uh, I don't, I don't want to spoil it for our listeners, but be, be ready because that episode was super intense. Just, I, I, you know, you're like, Oh my God, what now? Yeah. There, I, I did a, a, I'd done a Google search for Love, Death, and Robots just to mm-hmm. see like what the episodes were, so I could do them for my notes. And I found an article that uh, I can't remember the website it was from. I can find it really quickly, but it said there's a big problem with Love, Death, and Robots that they get wrong, and that's that they don't have strong female leads. What? And I was like, Have you seen Helping Hand? Because that's some or bad ass shit. Yeah, or Sunny's Edge, or Lucky Thirteen, mm-hmm. or and, I mean, even Suits. The it's not like the the female character was bad. 
In fact, but all of them were badass in that one. Yeah, and they it was a whole thing about um that they got it wrong and that they're not on the uh you know uh that seems like an invalid criticism to me. It it did. Um so I'm I'm trying to find the website that that came from. I found it. It was that sounds like somebody trying to push an agenda. When when you when because I see those when I see those articles, the first thing I do is click on the author's name because usually it's on those websites where it brings up the other articles, and then mm-hmm. I read what else the person wrote. And there's a very strong possibility that they have that same article just replace the movie title. Like I, yeah, I see that a lot. It was if you yeah if you look up Love Death and Robots um that it's, that, it's from DigitalSpy.com. Yes, that's what it was. I, I saw that one too. Yeah. And and super inaccurate. They only reference the witness, which is actually something we did too. We said yeah. that too. So if you only decide to ma- base your opinion on the witness, yes, it is gratuitous. And I don't even know about like I know it is gratuitous, but at the same time, when these shorts are art, and you know they that's what they are presenting as their art, and yeah, but, we have every right to like it or not like it, right? Yeah, I mean, but I, I also have a problem with art for art's sake. You know what I mean? And, and that's essentially, to me, what The Witness was. I mean, The Witness was essentially nudity and and orgy matter for the sake of being able to put it because you can. And it's like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, somebody says, oh, but this is art. And you're like, well, no, you're a pervert. But I, I don't think you can base that whole opinion around the whole series because there were some very strong female characters in there. The And we've mentioned the nudity quite a bit. And at one point I was actually wondering, I'm like, was there like mandatory nudity? And it, it turns out, I think like of the 18 episodes, I think only four didn't have nudity, which is crazy. Two, three, four. So like the history one, I think this is something I read. I think the history one didn't. Um, Wait, the alternate history? Or yeah, the alternate uh, history one. It did. It did. It had cartoon nudity. Okay, yeah. so that one did. Um, the, the prostitutes. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that one had nudity. Yeah. Sony's Edge did. Three robots did not. Six. No, three robots suits didn't have any nudity. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't believe Sucker of Souls had any nudity it in it. Did male nudity? The the uh, vamp- Dracula was naked. Oh oh oh! You're right. You're right. At the very beginning, because he was a dog for most yeah. of it. So um, when the yogurt took over, did that have any? That one, I'm not sure. I don't believe it did. Beyond the Aquila Rift had um, not only did it have nudity, but the uh, breast physics have have uh, gone way up in the world of 3d art mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because when they, it was did, very realistic when she unzipped her uh, little spacesuit thing. Yeah. Uh, helping hand did not have any nudity, but it almost did. Cause she, they showed her sliding into her spacesuit in her underwear and, and a, a see-through shirt. Okay. Not completely, but slightly. was did, did I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. Did Zima blue? I don't know about that one. The dump did cause it was in a, ma- in a porno magazine he was reading, which is why I was like, what? Well, and it also had the guy's the guy's penis yeah. when he went to take a leap. Oh, yeah. um, Zima Blue uh, Blind Spot was robots. I don't think that had any nudity. Yeah. Um, Ice Age I don't think had any nudity. The Secret War did that have? Yes, it had the um, the woman tied up between the two trees in an X shape, like cut open oh, to okay. open up the gates of hell. Yeah. Uh, Fish Knight had the guy naked swinging swimming up to space. Swinging up to space, and swimming up to space. He was swinging all the way up. Yeah, so it was it was weird because like in oh, in very few of those did it need to be there. But also some of it was some of it was incidental. Mm-hmm. Um, some but some of it was it because to me it felt like in the witness the nudity was the centerpiece, and it's like well you know I mean that's not really a story. Mm-hmm. 
I'm like, come on. I don't I don't really need that. I want to talk a little bit about suits because okay, first of all, basically just real quick the the suits thing. They always do that thing where there's like aliens are gonna invade farmland and do cattle mutilations, right? Mm-hmm. And in fact I literally just got done with a a three hour podcast on cattle mutilation in a in uh last podcast on the left is Skinwalker Ranch and that's where like a lot of these cattle mutilations and stuff happen. Uh-huh. Obviously, they'll talk about it better than me because they did the research. But so seeing that from the other side of things like, okay, these farmers are fed up and they're going to arm themselves with massive mechs to stop their cattle from getting destroyed was immediately like, I was like, oh, that's so funny. That's cool. And then as the episode went on, they introduced the characters. And I, I think each character that was introduced, the second they were introduced, I was like, okay, I know who this character is. Like the, the hero main character, the, the helper, the helper, like good friend, like yeah. he's kind of like just the lazy, not not really lazy, but like the kind of like mellow guy that's just gonna take a nap in his in his mech with a beer, and then oh shit, stuff's going down. And then the like the butch other neighbor, and it just mm-hmm. the idea of all the neighbors coming together, it just it just made, gave me a good feeling. And the the retiree, mm-hmm. uh, the like thrill seeking retiree, yeah, yep, like it it really just gave me a good feeling about all the characters about the community and then even like you know making sure everyone was was rescued and i like i was entertained by the action but at the same time i cared about the characters and was like you know when something bad happened i was like oh crap um and it was i don't know it was just it was great it was well paced um i like yeah i like the family like the wife and the the Mm -hmm. weapon system that was added to the barn was awesome wow it was supposed to be a wedding gift yeah yeah an anniversary gift. Yeah. Um, I I loved it for the fact that everything seemed so routine in the beginning. I was like, "All right, we got another breach. Let's go out and take care of it." And and you could tell that the characters had done this so many times before. Mm-hmm. But then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, you know, there's there's a huge opening, and how are they going to deal with this? And even when you know a character went down, it was. Nah, hell no. Nah. We're going to come back for you. Um, the characters, man, just, you know, made it. It had a very Tremors feel to it. So if you're yeah, a, a little bit of Starship Troopers, at least the design of the mm-hmm. aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly yeah. did. Yeah. And and the design of the actual characters had, for me, like a real Warcraft feel to it. Yeah, certainly. Um, the, the textures were, you know, hand-painted or at least treated to look like they were hand-painted. Mm-hmm. So it had a very in between feel it wasn't as realistic as a lot of the other ones mm-hmm. but um i think i can mostly com- uh you know m- mostly compare it to um like telltale games the walking dead or wolf among us so you know if you're a fan of that art style and it's right up your alley i i think we've pretty well covered it and i think we're actually going to end up talking about it a little bit a little bit more here um, because I think we're going to transition from this right into our Give Me Five for the night. So for our Give Me Five for the evening, I want to know, what are your guys' top five episodes from this season of Love, Death, and Robots? And I think at the end, what we should probably do is, if we all have different ones, discuss our favorite episode a little bit more in depth. Okay, I think we can do that. Gee, who's going to go first? Jimmy. Okay, fine. No, I'm happy to go first on this one. My number five, I'm not sure if it made your guys' lists, but it is Blind Spot. 
I enjoyed Blind Spot so much more than I thought I would. Um, when I first started watching the episode, I go, "Oh, great! It's this animation style that I'm not a huge fan of." But the different, I guess, cyborgs had completely different personalities, and what they do in this, they are uh, kind of doing a, a train heist, but it's set in the future. So like I said, they're all cyborgs. Um, they've got the rookie on the team. They got the, you know, the basher uh, kind of character. And it just ended on a very positive note mm-hmm. while you're watching, you know, characters get decimated and destroyed. There was a, a really pleasant twist at the end of it. So that's going to be num- my number five. My number four is going to be Secret War. Uh, Russian soldiers are fighting in World War II, but they are not on the front lines. They are instead fighting back demons who have entered our world through portals in the ground. Yeah, some and, Russian general was going to like – was trying to cheat the war and, mm-hmm. and opened up something not so nice. And beautiful, beautiful uh, environment art in that one. Yeah, they were – he was trying to have demons fight on their side. But of course demons do as demons will and they did not obey. Number three, Beyond the Aquila Rift, which we've talked about. Very good. Very close to Event Horizon. I knew you'd like that one just because of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good twist at the end. Number two, Lucky 13, a rookie pilot, gets the junker that nobody wants, develops a really close bond with it, and you really actually feel for her aircraft as a character. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love World War II bomber movies and stories and comics. And this one gave me that same feeling. Yeah. It did. My number one is Suits. It nice. might be number one on your list, but it took me back to those days of playing with those toys, as I mentioned. Exo Squad, just fantastic. <laughs> and the main character in that really reminded me of the sheriff from uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, I can see that. Like yeah. a lot. Yeah, I can see that. All right, Greg, what are your five? Well, I'm going to go. I, I think I would like to actually talk a little bit about Suits more after we're done here. So if you guys stick around, uh, not you guys, yeah. but... Um, like the listeners too. There's a couple mm-hmm. things I wanted to say about that. Uh, my number five is Sony's Edge. We talked about that. That is the opener to the whole thing. Uh, underground pit fighting. It was really cool. Very badass fights, and it had just enough of a twist at the end to where it it kind of let me know what was coming. Which you right. know I didn't say this earlier actually, but I think Rob will appreciate this. I usually I am one of the people that like watching things for the social commentary. Although mm-hmm. I was super happy that none of these really had that. It was. It still had twists, but it didn't have any sort of social commentary like a Black Mirror would or anything like that. And Sony's Edge let me know that that was going to be the situation. So I like that one quite a bit. I really enjoyed Shapeshifters. Uh, I thought that the you know the the story in Afghanistan. I, I liked the way it played out. I thought the fight scene was excellent in that mm-hmm. and v- visceral and brutal. And you know it was. And I had I felt for the characters. Yeah, the main fight scene was absolutely brutal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It made me, although I know their CG characters and their CG werewolves, but I had to kind of like turn my head down a little bit. The arm, the arm wound. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was a bit rough. Mm-hmm. And just friggin' cool though. I mean, it was, it was cool. And even, and the way the werewolves changed too was very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see. That was Shapeshifters. Uh, no, my number three, Lucky 13. Uh, great story. We talked about it quite a bit. 
you know, just beautiful landscapes, be awesome pilot, cared about both the main character and all the characters that were going to, that were involved in this. Um, you know, even the character that doubled back for her at the end, I think they said his name was Lee. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, even that I was like, don't get shot, don't get shot, don't get shot. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't even need to explain why the two factions were fighting. Yeah. yeah didn't need True. it. Yep. This is excellent. Uh, Good Hunting is the one I talked about. It was a different animation style than most of them. Uh, mm-hmm. One, I thought the little the little fox pup was adorable. Fox demon pup thing. And I loved how it took you through the full story. And I was that was the one I was riveted by um, completely. And number one, it matches up with, with Jimmy's. And that was Suits. And again, so character, character, character. I loved all three of the characters. I loved, well, not even three. I loved all of the characters in that. And we'll be revisiting this in a second. Mm-hmm. So number one, Suits. All right. I'll go ahead and do mine. Um, I really, really wanted to include Sunny's Edge or Three Robots. It's just there were so many really good uh, episodes in this that it, they, they kind of got bumped out. My my number five is going to be Good Hunting, which we talked about. The, uh, the animation style is a little bit different, but it was a great story. I really enjoyed it. My number four is going to be Shapeshifters. That was, that was probably one of one of my favorite fight scenes in the entire series was that werewolf fight scene um rivaled closely with the fight scene from Sunny's Edge which was why Sunny's Edge almost made the list but the the fight scene with the werewolves was absolutely fantastic i i loved it even down to when they when when his bicep got bitten and then he just didn't use that arm for you know it basically tore it to the bone and that arm was basically ineffective for the rest of the fight he couldn't mm-hmm. use it at all and it just kind of hung hung limply at his side yeah i was i was so waiting for him to accidentally use it uh-huh yeah i and just too. completely snap it off but they they did a good job of making sure that he didn't he didn't actually use it. so that was my number 4 my number 3 like greg was going to be is lucky 13 the animation in this one was absolutely amazing it was gorgeous. The story was fantastic. It was very well done. You didn't you didn't need any long, stupid explanations about why they were fighting or whatever, because the story was not the fight. The story was the pilot and the ship, and you cared about both of them. Sure did. And it was it was it was absolutely amazing. My number two is going to be suits, and I know that you guys both put it at number one, but I absolutely loved suits. Very, very entertaining. Another very well-contained story. And I would love to see more of this. I would love to see a continuation of this story because it's something that they could do more for. But my number one is has already been discussed and I love the sci-fi feel of it. Absolutely love the sci-fi feel of it. And the story was great. I Just everything from top to bottom. And then the whole, of course, the whole Matrix feel to it. The, you know, what would you do? Would you choose to live in the matrix or would you choose not to live in the matrix? That's beyond the Aquila rift. Yeah. It's a good one. So that's my five. So I guess it's my turn to rant a little bit. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. Um, I'm, I'm going to go over a topic that came up. I was probably what, a couple months ago now, maybe the end of last year. Um, with the, the little girl who was at the airport and apparently had her name um, somewhat mocked or mocked, I guess, by by an airline employee when she found out that her name was Absidy. 
<sighs> do, do you remember that? Oh, I do. And and yes, I while I understand that it was not a good look for the airline employee to basically poke fun at a child's name and probably should have used a little bit more discretion. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ignore you here and say there are 400 people in the United States whose parents have gone that route. I know. That's not a friggin' name. That's just looking at the alphabet and going, ah, give me the first five. That That's good enough. It, what? Really? And and yes, to make fun of a child's name is wrong, but mom, you take a lot of the blame in that. I mean, what? What is going through your head? And and I and I did some looking up. There's there are some parents who should be ashamed of themselves because how in the hell do some of these names get through? I mean, I'm talking names like Vajonica. What? Or or how about the the mom and dad? Vajonica sounds how. like a medicine that wasn't approved by the FDA, so they're selling it as it, herbal therapy. It really does, but but it gets even worse. I mean. Who in the hell would name their kid Orgasm? Really? Mom? What? Dad? What? What? Who fell asleep at the wheel? What the hell is going on here? Well, in their defense, that is how the child was formed. So. Oh, my God. I mean, but some of these names are absolutely ridiculous. Why would you name your kid after a, a, a life-threatening disease? We've got a kid somewhere out there who's named Melanomia. Really? Come on, parents, you got to use a little bit better judgment here. And if your kid is getting razzed at school because of their goofy name, it's your effing fault. Why would you do that to your kid? Yeah, we all want to be creative. Yeah, we all want to. Yeah, we want our kids to be distinctive. But you know what? You can be distinctive without being an asshat. I mean, you're going to give your kid a funny name and it's my fault because I laugh when he tells me his name is Shitstain. Really? That's not a real one, but that's an example. Really? I mean, some kid comes up to you and says, hi, my name is, is Skidmark. Shadid. Really? <laughs> it, well, you know, and I'm not even talking, I'm not even talking about the, the foreign parents who there's a, there's an error in translation somewhere, or they didn't really understand, or it, it means something different in their culture. I'm not even talking about those because there's, there's also a kid out there that's named Clitus. Clitus. And when they asked the parents why, they said, oh, because of our favorite actor, Clint Eastwood. Really? And that's not really necessarily their fault. But, I mean, I'm talking about the people who name their kids shit like Little Sweet Meat. Are you, are you kidding? Little, little Sweet Meat? You really should have to pass a test to be a parent sometimes. <laughs> because... You name your kids this stupid shit, and then you're surprised when people make fun of it? And you have the balls to get all upset about it? Come on. Really? Parents, be a little responsible. I mean, we've got... Dumbass shit like Facebook, Olive Garden. There's a person out there whose last name is Balls, and his parents thought it was a great idea and super clever to name him Harold. That kid's name for his entire life is Harry Balls. He hates everything. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? What the hell? And then, and and then you give your kids a name that I'm never going to call him by. I mean, there's there's a, uh, I think he's a football player or something out there whose name is Your Highness. Yeah, no, I I am not going to call you Your Highness. I'm sorry. Yeah, when you see those names, that, that, there's two there's two options. Either happen. they have to be the best freaking cornerback 
in the NFL, like, you know, Champ Bailey, or you have the most uh-huh. ironic name in history. Like, oh, whatever yeah. happened to Champ Bailey? He can either be in the Hall of Fame or, oh, he didn't get drafted. And you, you better be you better be good. Way to go, Champ! He, uh, I believe, is going to the Hall of Fame. He, he made it. He, he followed through on his name's uh, thing. Oh, 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 and let's not forget that poor little boy who will be pulled out of every TSA line because his parents thought it was a great friggin' idea to name him Jihad. Excuse me? <laughs> you named your kid after a race war? What? Oh, I, I, can't, I can't even with some of these but, people. But I just want to I just want to bring this alarm clock on the airplane. No, I, I think you can't bring this alarm clock onto the airplane. I, in, in fact, we're going to have you step into this little room over here. No, I don't want to go in the room. Don't make me go in the room. Why do they always do this? Well, you can thank your parents for that little jihad. What? Come on. Take some responsibility, parents. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Okay, guys, if you have the opportunity to check out uh, Love, Death, and Robots, which I have, of course, been calling Love, Sex, and Robots for quite <laughs> some time. Even when I told my uh, my friends to watch it. Whoops. Um, then, yeah. Then, uh, by all means, let us know what your favorites are. Uh, you know, checked out the numbers recently. And we've we've gotten quite a few new listeners, so you know it's definitely more than we have friends. So we'd love to hear from you guys. Check out, you know, let us know where you're from, so on and so forth. Yeah, um, definitely do that because we don't have a lot of friends. As Greg <laughs> just stated, <laughs> exactly, not that many. Uh, so you can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five Podcast. As usual, five F I V E. You can go on Twitter or Instagram. That is Give Me Five Pod. And you can check me out at the Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com, or you can email us at, um, at there. And of course, if you want your email to be read on the air, let us know. Uh, the way to help the show without costing you any money whatsoever, you can leave us a review on iTunes, which is the big one, or any other podcast uh, app that you're using. And if you want to help the show and spend a little bit of money, it's two ways. Give me five podcast.threadless.com. That is where you can get shirts, uh, stuff. Mugs, cell phone cases, all that stuff there. And also our Amazon page. You can get to that via our Libsyn page. And it's just a link. You go to Amazon whenever you're buying whatever you're going to buy. Using that link, it'll give us just a little bit. It'll just kind of take a little bit off the top. Yeah. It just, give it to us. It's a couple of cents. It, it doesn't, you know, cost you anything extra like Greg said. But, you know, it certainly helps up, uh, us with uh, server costs and space and all that kind of stuff. So, um Definitely leaving a review also helps us uh, reach a wider audience, which helps us stay afloat against the Joe Rogans of the world and the, you know, super popular podcasts. So thanks for listening. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Robert Kraft has filed a motion to suppress the evidence against him in his case. Uh, that being the video, he wants the video not to be released. <laughs> he wants, he wants the evidence suppressed so that they can't prosecute him for it. <laughs> Nasty ass old man. Yes, that, that evidence is damning to my case. I would like it suppressed. What? No, that's, that's not how it works. Yeah, I'm a gross, almost 80 year old man. I, I want to see it. I'm what? Like, what? The- what? You want to see it? What? Yeah. Daddy?
Oh, dear. Oh, my God. Okay, let me... Are uh, you give... watching that nasty old man? Hi. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Talk now. Hi. Hi. Hi, Ethan. Hi. Have a nice night. You, you too. too. What did you think of Wonder Park? Awesome. What was awesome. Your part? Awesome. What was your favorite part? The bear? No. It no? was the kid who made it. Oh, you the like the kid, the kid made, made it? it. Uh, yeah. a good call. Okay. Go get ready for your shower, sweetheart. Yep. That's a true story. I saw Reba McIntyre at Bush, Gordon, Bush Gardens when I was like five or six. I'm recording. Clamato.